0: This is real love now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen.
1: God is so good, Amen. Faithful and just. God is good. Oh, well, isn't it good to worship together tonight? Amen. There'll never be anyone like him. Some nights worship just comes easy. The other nights you have to press in. But you know, it's amazing. Let me just ask you: if, if worship came just kind of easy for you tonight, can I just see your hands if that's if that's you? Hands all over this place. If if you had to press in tonight, let me see your hands. You see, you never know what the person next to you is going through. And so we, we have to open the way for others with our worship sometimes. And I think every struggle of the enemy that could bombard my mind hit me during worship. And I kept going, nope, nope, he's still good. He's still faithful. Come on now, amen. He's still God, amen. And the reality is I haven't had a bad day, but the enemy wants to hinder your praise. You've got to understand sometimes you just have to set your face like Flynn. I may be messing up a, a message that I, I was thinking about preaching, but I, you know, I was reading this morning and matter of fact, have we ever done that first song tonight before? Last Sunday? Oh, I didn't even hear it, but it was great. Great tonight. Amen. But, uh. Um, I uh, I was studying this morning, and you know I've never really noticed that Goliath had a guy who carried his shield. So his job was to run out there and hold up the shield, and when Goliath wanted it, but hold up the shield, and he could take it. I thought you you had one job. Come on now, he failed at his one job to hold up the shield, and when he dropped the shield. And we all know David and Goliath. We have one job. We don't have to fix the planet. We cannot fix our world. But our job is to magnify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and to give him the praise like he deserves. That's our job. God has been so, so good to us. Amen. All right. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 26 reads like this: I want to talk to you about the long game, the long game. It says he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own, that, notice that own the treasures of Egypt. for he was doing what? looking ahead to his great Reward. Can I tell you, when you are living for the now, you don't ever look to see what the consequences of later are really going to be. But when you play the long game, you are steps ahead. You are looking ahead at what lays in front of you to see what the ultimate result is going to be. Now, I want to talk to you tonight about this, the long game, but why don't we ask God to open this truth to us tonight? Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you spoke to us uh, in this place Sunday, and you're going to this upcoming Sunday. But Lord, as we realize the, that we are this salt of the earth, and we must regain our flavor. Lord, we cannot allow anything. Come on, help me with that. We cannot allow anything to distract us from the fact that our greatest mission is the kingdom of heaven. And Lord, we thank you that you've called us and you've chosen us. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. Sometimes we become distracted. The enemy wants to throw darts at you to destroy you, but before he can destroy you, what he most often does is distract you. Let me say that again. Before he can destroy you, most often he will distract you. And how you respond to distractions can get you uh, moving in a better uh, uh, or worse direction. Let me explain that to you. How many of you just wanted to check something right quick and you find yourself still there? Or you see something that sets off the firework of your temper, come on now, and you get stuck, you get distracted. Well, can I tell you that the enemy is using that distraction as an attempt to set you up for destruction? And it's been going on this time. Somebody, somebody always talks about, well, you know, nowadays, you don't understand the pressures of nowadays. The reality are that, that the, most of our problems have, ha, though they may be different, you know, uh, it, there are similar problems throughout all time. People want to have a place to belong. People want to have a, a healthy life. People want their family to be strong. People want to have a future. People, uh, you know, you don't have to say amen to these, but you know, people, people want to be, people want to have enough money in the bank to feel comfortable. Come on now. There's common goals, common needs, common desires. But we've all, throughout the generation been attacked by the same distractions that want to pull us aside so that the enemy can destroy us when we get, we get focused on the short game. The year that I want to talk to you about beginning tonight, having similar problems, the year was 1785. There was a man by the name of Benjamin Franklin. Some of you are thankful for him because he created eyeglasses. Some of you are real thankful for him because he created rocking chairs. Come on now. But several different things that were attributed to to Benjamin Franklin. But Benjamin Franklin, the year 1785, and I want you to listen to me what I'm about to say very, very carefully. He is uh, attacked by a contemporary in a negative post. Do you get that? A negative post. The only difference is, The post took a little longer to get around the planet. You know, I was standing in a stream with my dad fishing one day. He caught a fish. I took a picture. Somebody responded within milliseconds in Israel. And my dad said, that went that far that fast? I said, yes, sir. It goes that far that fast now. It goes that far that fast but in 1785, the way they responded to the negative post, the posts were made in a pamphlet form, and then uh, all of a sudden that someone would attack you in a pamphlet form, and then it had to trickle around the world. So the negative post took a little longer, than they did maybe uh, probably similar damage though along the course of the path. When Franklin was attacked, his response to the attack, listen to me carefully, some of us could really learn from this, some of us, I didn't say you, I said us, could really learn from this because the first response the man made to the attack, are you ready for this, was he thanked the man that was criticizing him. He thanked him. That doesn't sound like Franklin, if you know anything about history and his character, but he thanks him for the attack and then he says, thank you, clearly, thank you for causing me to take stock of your criticism, and instead of trashing it, he found within the criticism a good idea that he had never even considered. You see, the, the idea that the attack was based upon was it mocked Franklin's belief in the future of America. The Frenchman that attacked him did not believe that America could stand. And so, this Frenchman attacks him, believing that, watch this, that Franklin was too optimistic about the future of this fledgling nation. So in response to the attack that the man issued, Franklin created an endowment of 1,000 pounds in French money. Since the man attacking him was was France then uh, uh, he wanted to make it you know hit home so he took it in, in that kind of money and then and then he he made the endowment and the recipients of that would be Boston his hometown and Philadelphia's adopted hometown but however there was one stipulation for the endowment it must be invested in a fund that earned interest and the interest was to support notice this was to support and could not be cashed out for the, the total of 200 years. Now, when somebody accuses you of being too optimistic about the success of a fledgling nation, and your response is, I'm going to make a 200-year investment. A 200-year investment, I think that's pretty serious. He made his his optimism, listen to me carefully, part of a long game. And so for 200 years, this endowment that he made was used as seed money To fund, as he received a loan to start his first paper, he funded tradesmen who wanted to advance within their communities and he would help start their businesses for 200 years. This fund would help these tradesmen start businesses in Boston and Philadelphia. The investment reached, even after all the money that had been given out, reached the hefty sum of $5 million sitting there drawing the interest after 200 years. Now listen to me. Franklin used what would have caused most to lose hours and days. Now notice this. He used what would have caused most to lose. Now I want you to hear that word very clearly. To what? To lose. Hours and days fuming into an opportunity to play the long game. His optimism in the future of America paid off. Now listen to me. The long game is only worth playing when you are optimistic. I want you to get what I'm trying to tell you. If you are determined to fail, if you're speaking death over your relationships... If you're speaking death over your finances, if you're, I feel the Holy Spirit as I'm speaking to you tonight. If you're speaking death over your faith walk for Christ, saying, well, I'm going to go, most of the Christians that I've dealt with are just trying to get from crisis to crisis and trying to figure out how not to let go in the middle of the crisis. But if you've been speaking death over those things, if you're saying things like this, well, I knew this marriage would never last. I knew this friendship couldn't make it. I knew this partnership couldn't work. I knew this was without hope. When you speak those things, you're not living in optimism and you cannot play a long game when you're not optimistic about the opportunity in front of you. And some of you are going, Pastor Don, but you don't understand. I've been burned too many times to be optimistic. No, what I'm trying to tell you is that even though you've been burned, you can still find a reason to believe and trust God that God can do the impossible. There wasn't a whole lot of optimism when they put Lazarus in the grave. Come on now. But thanks be to God. Jesus wasn't playing the short game. He was playing the long game, and he needed Lazarus to go all the way to France and preach the gospel later. Come on now. And he went all the way to France preaching the gospel because every time people found out that the man Jesus raised from the dead was walking around preaching the resurrected Christ, they could not deny who he was and who Jesus was because he was walking around after being dead for four days. And he says, look, you think it's a big deal that somebody raised after three days? I was dead four days. I tell you, God's able. Amen. And that optimism gave life. And the only way you can play the long game in your life is when you believe God can do something. Do you believe you can walk in your freedom? Do you believe you can walk in victory in your home? Do you believe that God can shake America and sin revival again? That's the only way we will ever find optimism and play the long game. Preaching truth now. God's called us to play not little short little guerrilla warfare. We're setting up strategic plans to see the glory of God cover the earth. Most of us are too busy taking pot shots at our neighbors. Can I just tell you what just came into my heart? Most of us are too busy firing off places we shouldn't be so that when we really have to fight, we're out of ammunition. You see, optimism is an abundance of hope and faith. Now this reminds me of a little boy who Who gave his lunch to Jesus. Think about that for a moment. Others said. This is all I have. All we have is this Lord. The boy was like. This is all I have. But I believe Jesus can do more. With it than I can. Let me say that again. Others said this is all we have Lord. We're stuck. The little boy said, I'm stuck in my own abilities. But when I invest what I have into who you are. How do you invest what you are into who he is? Can I, can I tell you? We've been talking about this a lot lately. Ready for this? Faith. Faith says, I invest who I am. But Pastor Don, you don't understand how broken I am. (laughs) You don't understand how beautiful his grace is that he takes brokenness and makes mosaics out of it for his own glory. You know, sometimes it amazes me how much different you parent later in life than you did when you were younger. You know, back when you were worried about what everybody thought about you, now we don't really care. And so I see it as this difference. Something is broken. You can either throw a fit about it, but it's never going to fix it. I don't know who that's for. Throwing a fit never fixes something that's broken. It's truth. But what does a righteous Or mature, should I say mature? There's a better word there. Mature person do when all you have left are fragments. You make something beautiful from the fragments. You pick up the pieces and you make something beautiful. You see, the little boy believed that Jesus could do something better than He had. So I guess I have to ask you this question. And you need to hear what I'm about to say to you. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say to you. Is do you really believe that Jesus can handle it better than you can? Yes. It's a sincere question. Because most of the time, I know none of you have ever been there, but I've been like, Lord, if you just get with a plan, we could get there. <laughs> Will anybody else at least be halfway honest about that? Yeah. But Jesus says, if you get with a plan, I'm already there. Uh-oh, that'll too, on it. Yeah. Now, here's what I need you to understand. The little boy was willing to skip a meal or two out of that bag to feed someone hungry. Are you willing to skip a meal or two to feed someone hungry for a meal? Or someone that's hungry a meal? Would you I mean, is that are you willing? Trust God and say, you know what? It might cost me something to be optimistic here. It might cost me something to invest something in the kingdom of heaven. I might have to bite my tongue. I might not have to, I might not get to win every argument. I might not get to win the moment. But you know what? I shall see the one who won the day. Am I making sense tonight? I hope you get this. This is important. You see, when you lose hope, listen to me. When you lose hope, you become past tense people. People without hope only live in the past tense. We allow the negative of the past to overly inform our view of the future. This is important. We see all the things from yesterday, and so we, we think, based on yesterday, this is what tomorrow. We become so focused on what they did to me and this and that. You know what? Some of my closest friends once tried to assassinate me. I'm serious. They wanted to cut my throat spiritually. They they wanted to stab me in the back. Some tried to maybe literally stab me. Not really. That's just my brother. But anyways, let's go on. (laughs) But they have become close, close friends. There are leaders in this church who may be left at a point angry. But they were loved and they returned. One of the leaders in our church, he says it this way. He says, he says, you love me. He said, you love me as I lied about you on the way out and you love me while I was out and you love me back in. You know, we all have to make up our minds what we're going to be. But if all I can focus on is what that person did wrong to me in the past, I could have never enjoyed the fruits of today. Am I making sense to... Because I need y'all to like... You see, when we allow the past to overly inform the view of our future, instead of seeing what God can do with today, we begin, listen to what I'm going to say, we begin to hoard. We prepare for the apocalypse. Let me be clear, there is nothing wrong with being prepared for winter. Can I get an amen? If you don't have, if you don't lay your firewood up when it's time, you don't bring it in before it rains, you're going to be cold. All right? But how dare we have a store of supplies that we will throw out when they expire while children two houses over go hungry? When we are so focused on the past, and not trying to repeat the past and the pain, then we hoard God didn't call us to hoard. He he called us to be like the boy. And so, in optimism that God can do more, God will meet our needs. I heard a lot of great things said about my grandfather. And there were a lot of bad things that could have been said about my grandfather at his funeral. He was 50-some-odd years old before he ever came to Christ. He left... Quite a trail in his wake before that. A man much larger than I. He was he, he was a good man, but rambunctious. But one thing he knew this is what they said No one ever went hungry when they stopped by his home. Even during those depression hour, uh, error times, no one ever went hungry. There was always something. To share. God has placed us in the world. See, we, we get all these concepts that there's the world and our faith, but the reality is what we need is our faith to invade the world. Amen. What's happening is our, our world's invading our faith, trying to destroy it, but we, sometimes you need to go on the offensive. Right. Playing the long game with a hope of a breakthrough will lead us down a different course. One of the classic stories of scripture finds a young prince looking up at an impregnable uh, cliff. And as he's looking at this cliff, this young prince, he, he says to his young armor bearer or assistant, uh, we're going to take that position. He says, we're going to take that. Here, let me just give it to you in the words of Jonathan, who said it. First Samuel chapter 14, verse number 16. Here's what it says. Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, watch this, perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle, whether he has many warriors or only a few. Do you know what I like about that? And it's not even my notes. What I like about that is he doesn't know if he's going to win or not, but he says, I'm not going to sit here and defeat. I'm moving forward. And let's go over there and Try. And I think that maybe that's one of the things in my life that, that God has spoken to me. And, and Pastor Daniel will tell you, I'll say this to he and different key leaders in the church. I'll say, well, if they can do it, why can't we do it? I have a, there, There's an optimism we can do anything we put our minds to. And the best way to get us motivated to do that is to do what? Tell us we can't. Watch this. The enemy was dug in to the cliff they held the better position so i have to ask you what is dug into your life what position does it seem like i'm speaking to you truth now what position does it seem like the enemy holds listen to me you can sit back in fear and say this has had me for far too long This is rooted in who I am. It's been rooted in my family for generations. I've always been this way. Nothing will ever change. You can do that if you want. And you will give the enemy the ability to establish, according to Scripture, a foothold to attack you from. And when the enemy seems like he's dug in, and it seems like he has the better position, are we going to sit back and just just say, well, there's nothing I can do about it? I hope not. I'm looking for people who believe that the word of God is real and that God still delivers and God still brings victory and God still sets people free who will say, you know what? I might die trying, but I'm dying sitting here. So I'm going to go up there and I'm going to win the victory and I will be free. I will overcome. I will break through. God will move. And perhaps the Lord will deliver us because nothing can hinder the Lord. But don't you understand? It's been this way. It's in your DNA. Thanks be to God. He's the writer of our DNA, and he can rewrite it if he needs to. Amen. That's good. Nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle when it seems like no one else is with us. God is with you. Come on now. Say that with me. God is with me. My goodness, what has happened to me this year in the last five months, I can have a sermon that I'm sure is going to last 10 minutes, and I could preach on this two Wednesday nights in a row. <sighs> Maybe your manners have finally started working. Another long game player is found in this text tonight in Hebrews where we began. Hebrews 11. This time we'll start in verse 24. It says, it was by faith. It was by what? Faith. That Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. People have asked me, where does the Bible say that sin, you know, loses its flavor fast or that it's quick? There it is right there in Hebrews. It's a fleeting. Sin might be seem good for a day, but boom. It will quickly leave and its sweet taste will become bitter. Okay. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead. He was looking ahead to his great reward. Listen to me. In case you haven't figured it out by reading the book of Exodus or maybe you haven't read it in a while, everyone around Moses had lost their optimism. But Moses kept looking ahead. He kept looking toward what was better ahead. What did Moses see ahead of him? What's the scripture say there? Reward. Come on now, reward. Now some of you are going, well, I, that's just I. That, that works on my on my my three something almost four year old grandson. If you do this, Papa will give you this. Do you understand? Reward on the other side. Just All I'm asking is, <laughs> you want that right there? If you don't scream and pitch a fit in this store, come on now, then Papa will give you that. Is it bribery? 100%. <laughs> okay. But listen to me. We don't. We don't. We don't get that. We think, well, that's over. Nobody gives me. No. God says, if you'll honor me, there's reward ahead for you. Right, can I tell you what one of the first rewards you can reap is? To rest in peace. Yeah, right. To lay down and rest. And to know that nothing is chasing you. There's been things in my life that I felt like chased me and God said, you've got to go back and make those things right. But I can tell you the rest is sweeter when you're walking in his paths. You see, there is a reward ahead for those who don't lose faith in the momentary trials. Don't let the short game rob you of the long game. I'm going to quote a coach. I won't tell you the team. But he said, we play differently in August than we do in November. We play differently in December than we do in November. And if we get to play in January, we have to play differently in January. He doesn't go into the season thinking, one of the reasons why his team has won his conference championship over and over again, Is because he doesn't go in trying to win the championship. He goes in doing the every day that's necessary to line him up for the reward that waits in January. You see, some of us are not sure that we're determined not to turn back. It's time. To make that decision. I'm not going back. I'm done turning back. There's no going back. Pastor Don, what's the first step into uh, not going back? Can I tell you what the first step in not going back is? Are you ready for this? Admit that you're not going back. I mean, seriously. And then are you ready for this? If there's something in your house that helps you go back when you get home tonight, get rid of it. And if there's a number in your phone, don't wait to leave church. Just start deleting it right now. Don't go back. What I'm about to say, I'm going to say very, very carefully, but listen to me. Some of us are living like we are convicted in serving a sentence. Listen to me. Because all we are doing is doing time. We should stop doing time and we should start living for eternity. When you're just doing time, one of my friends said to me, he said, when you're doing time, there's lots of chaos. That's the word he said. There's chaos all around you because everybody's just doing time. Listen to me. If you're living from chaotic moment to chaotic moment, you're not looking ahead to the long game. Eternity is ahead of us. When we live for eternity, it profoundly affects how we spend our time. We're not counting the days until we're out, but we'll begin to live in preparation for a better tomorrow. Don't count until the program's over. Start living for eternity. But Pastor John, you don't understand. I've got to finish this program and I gotta get my family back, or I gotta get my kids back, or I gotta no 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 no. Listen to me. If those are your goals, when you hit those goals, you won't know where to go afterwards. Did I say truth? You've got to start saying, I'm living for eternity. Can I tell you what happens when you start living for eternity? There's a promise that says the Lord will bring back the things that the enemy has stolen. Okay? When we do what God's called us to do. Don't think I'm just talking to them. I'm talking to you too. Days and years when invested with a future in mind will reap compound interest to us. When the Jewish people found themselves under the control of a power that did not have their best interest in mind, they found themselves at a crossroads. Would they undermine their captors or would they influence their culture from the inside out? Listen to me. They were taken as hostages by the Babylonians and they had to make up their mind. Will we be antagonistic? Or will we, as the prophet Jeremiah said, build houses, build grapevines, and affect the cities of which you're taken? I can tell you somebody who did that. He totally changed the culture of a region from the inside out. Are you ready for this? His name was Joseph. He became the second most powerful man simply by doing what was right even when it seemed like everybody else had forgotten him. Daniel, who made his first stand when he said, I will not compromise what I have been taught, but he didn't do it in rebellion. He did it and said, let me show you what God can do when you follow God's ways. Or Esther, who took her life in her own hands to go before the king because it was right it was the right thing to do. And I hear the words of Mordecai And he said, Don't you think your palace will keep you safe? Don't think that you, your bubble will keep you safe. We stand at a similar crossroads. Will we consume culture? It blows my mind. We'll rant against the system But we consume the culture. We know all the dirty lines of all the dirty shows. Will we condemn culture? Will we copy culture? Can I give you another alternative? Instead of consuming it and copying it and condemning it, how about we create culture? How about we create culture? You see, we stand for what is right. We speak in truth. But truth is not a missile to destroy, but rather a lever to attempt to free that which is bound. You listen to what I'm about to say. Quit cursing the darkness start lighting candles just stand with me tonight let us create culture Pastor Don the wind swirls around us yes the only wind I feel in here right now are these fans blowing these air conditioners or heaters or whatever's going right now it's the only thing I feel could it be that when we stop copying and condemning and and, 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 and consuming all the negativity of the world we live in, and we start creating the culture of righteousness that there might be a stronger wind in the building. That, as it were, on the day of Pentecost, when they were all together in one accord, they can I tell you what one accord means? They had a similar order, culture, and they suddenly were consumed by a rushing mighty wind. Could it be that the power within us, the very reason that the Hebrew boys did not weren't consumed in the fire? the law of thermodynamics that says if the fire within you is greater than the fire outside of you, then you can't, that the fire within you will prevent the outside from burning you? Could it be that instead of us trying to keep the wind out, the wind breaks out? For a moment, wait on the Lord tonight. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. wait on the Lord for just a moment. I'm just trying to could it be made me think of the old song and can it be and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood died he for me who caused him pain for me who him to death pursued amazing love how can it be that thou my God should die for me Isn't there more wonderful things for us to be focused on as we look ahead to the reward before us? I'm supposed to pray for you now, but honestly, I really feel like God's already made a deposit in our lives tonight. If you could take what God spoke to you not use it as a weapon, but use it as a lever to find freedom, there's hope and there's victory. God bless you. In Jesus' name.